You slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those Z's. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that at home than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later, right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. You'll still miss out on some pretty important things, like the support and encouragement that intergenerational community brings, music that's inspiring and fun, and, of course, the children with their unique questions and amusing answers. Some days. (laughs) Some days. And we are not going to be able to give you Easter brunch or even some cookies, but we'll give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada, the biggest little city in the world. We are not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of a new age. We are your average pastors, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast, so if you're away from home or working or coaching your kids' underwater basket weaving competition, or maybe just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon we gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, if you're out for a run or running errands, or maybe just cuddled up at home on the couch, we hope that you will receive this with an open mind and an open heart. Quick note, we really want you to hear hear this with an open heart. You don't have to agree with everything we say. In Mm -hmm. fact, we don't expect you to. We want thinking people. We want thinking people who question and disagree and are working on what they think. But our sincere hope is, in all of this, you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world that we know as God, moving in your life. All right. Well, happy Easter. Happy Easter. It's Easter for what? Like six or seven more weeks? Yeah. We'll just keep saying happy Easter for a while, just to freak out our people who have already bought their half-off Easter candy. Yeah. Easter, and then Pentecost. Yep. And then Ordinary Time. Time. Which is my favorite. Yes. But Easter's okay. Easter's I mean, it's kind of important to the story. I guess it means something. It means it means something. So uh, I preached on the Easter story mm-hmm. from Matthew on Sunday. Nice. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, first 10 verses of that, if you're interested in reading that story. And in Matthew, at dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary mm-hmm. go to keep vigil at the tomb. And there's like an earthquake and an angel comes down from heaven Okay. And rolls back the stone and then sits on it. Okay. Yeah, nice bench. I think maybe the same sassy angel from Luke. Yeah. Sort of doing the conquering hero thing. He beat the stone. Shafts of lightning blaze from him. His garments are shimmering. Whoa. Snow white. The guards are scared to death. Like they, they faint. faint. The angel speaks to the women. Do not be afraid. No, you're looking for Jesus, but he's not here. He was raised just as he said. And come and look at the place where he was placed. So the angels in Matthew do start with, do not be afraid. afraid, Which is different than the Luke version, which we talked about in my podcast. And every time an angel says, do not be afraid, I want to say, well, what did you expect? (laughs) What were you thinking was going to happen? What did you, what, how did you think they were going to respond to a glowing extraterrestrial who decides to literally shake it up to bring the earthquake force? What did you, what did you expect? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did you expect? Um, it's a little bit like taking your kid to see the Easter Bunny and then wondering why they cry. <laughs> Interestingly enough, the same year that they started commercializing Easter Bunnies in malls that you could take photos with, mm-hmm. the number of child therapy appointments skyrocketed. <laughs> in case you're Causation? wondering, if, mm, just yeah. wondering if you uh, if you're wondering about whether or not you should take your kids to the Easter Bunny to get their We're picture taken. We're probably too late on this. We should warn people earlier next year. <laughs> yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what did you expect? What so, did you um, expect? So yes. thinking about, a lot about expectations. And uh, we have in our country commercialized low expectations. Oh, yeah. And I think that this is nowhere more evident than in the subgenre camp. Of a subgenre of movies? Of movies. I'm not talking about like... And movies, music, whatever, but like not not like going to the middle of the woods with a guitar and some s'mores, right? But camp is in not camping, camp, yeah, like, like like kind of niche cult camp, right. right? I watched for the first time Mystery Science, Science. Theater Three Thousand. They've got a reboot, yes, right now, and and I watched an episode with a friend, and I remember thinking like, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you redo this? And his response was, Well, what did you expect? And I thought, oh, that's a good question. (laughs) It's just uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, if you've been living under a rock, is a show. It's a television show where they watch these aliens have created this, concocted this inane story for why they have to do this. But they watch old monster movies, like B-rated monster movies. C-rated. They're awful. B-rated is generous. Monster movies and then make fun of them the whole time. Do they do it in the new one where they're just sort of shadows at the bottom of the screen? Yeah, they're just shadows. They're just silhouettes at the bottom of the screen. So it looks like you're in the movie theater with them. They interrupt it every once in a while to go out and do something else because the movie gets tedious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we watched this first episode and the first episode was about Reptilicus. Okay. Reptilicus was a monster who was found underneath frozen earth. Okay. And they took a portion of the body back to a lab in Denmark. Mm-hmm. where they put it in a freezer and they were studying it. As things do, the lab technician left the door of the freezer open mm-hmm. and it thawed. And like some reptiles and starfish, the monster started to regenerate. And so they are fascinated by this regeneration process and they decide to help the monster regenerate because apparently they are also idiots. Because <laughs> they have not watched every other horror film. Yeah, they've missed out the first few seasons of Mystery Science Theater 3000, and they didn't know this wasn't a good idea. So we watched this monster movie that was mm-hmm. being watched by these jerks who were cracking four or five hundred jokes, four or five of which were funny. <laughs> well, you know, volume. Yeah. But the longer you wait mm-hmm. for a joke to be funny, the funnier it is when it comes. Yes, this is true. This, this is, is why true. people like Bill Burr. Right. So, so this Reptilicus movie on Mystery Science Theater 3000, it's all about low expectations. Right. But I was thinking about low expectations in monster movies as well. The thing with us human people mm-hmm. is we like to externalize our fears. Uh-huh. Yep. And one of the things that in Mystery Science Theater 3000 is they had this little ditty in the middle as a break from the movie where they rapped about how every country has its own monster. Mm-hmm. And so they talked about the chupacabra and the yeti, and they sort of went around the world and talked about all the different monsters that exist around the world. And all monsters are an externalization of our internal fears. So, I mean, the obvious ones, right? Uh, zombies mm-hmm. is, the, is the fear that um, we can never get enough, that we will endlessly and mindlessly consume and consume and consume, yep. and it will never be enough, and it won't make us feel alive. Right. Right. So vampires suck the life out of us, mm-hmm. literally. Um, the people that drain your energy mm-hmm. are your vampires. Um, werewolves, I think the fear that we can't check our own impulses. Yep. So all of those internal things... We externalize so that we can attack. Right. And what I loved about Reptilicus, for all of the horrible film quality that was going on in this movie, is the idea was if you tried to attack this particular fear with firepower Mm -hmm. and blew it into a hundred pieces, suddenly you would have a hundred regenerating monsters. Right. 
And so you had to actually deal with the monster with compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, you had to to knock it out rather than to cut it up. Mm-hmm. Because if you cut it up, you've just multiplied yeah. your problem. And I, I kind of like that image of having to deal with your own fears with some compassion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And knowing that our fears are not as easy to attack as a monster in a monster movie. Right. Um, our fears are the ones that are inside. So the fears that we have are the fears that we're going to lose somebody. Mm-hmm. The fear is that some harm is going to befall the people that we care about and we can't prevent yeah. that harm. Yep. The fear that um, all of the worst case scenarios that are running through our head are going to happen. Are going to happen. And so for these women at the tomb, you like mm-hmm. my segue there? Nice. Nice segue. All of these fears have been realized. Right. They're not living in the what ifs. They're not in the what ifs. This is this is happening. Mm-hmm. They've lost somebody they deeply care about. The people that they love have been hurt. Mm-hmm. They haven't been able to do anything. They haven't had any agency in this process, process at, all. at all. And we have the testimony that they sat and watched. They sat and watched. They they watched every Between grueling moment. moment. Yeah. Of in a way that that some other people in the story did not really couldn't handle. Yeah. And so they, you know, these folks have been traumatized. Mm-hmm. They're terrified. They show up at the tomb, as you said, to do the last kind thing they could do for Jesus, yep. which was care for the body. Mm-hmm. And there is no body there. And on top of that, the angel decides to throw yeah. in a light show and an earthquake. Right. And then says, do not be afraid. Right. Well, what did you expect? expect? We humans, we respond predictably to mm-hmm. threats. Mm-hmm. We respond predictably to our own fears. Yep. We start to stockpile things to protect ourselves, mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. it's consumerism or weapons gotta have the biggest weapons we separate ourselves from the source of our pain Mm -hmm. which is what peter did right he ran away we get lost in minutiae to just not have to think about the big thing we'll think about all the little things we'll become really detail oriented in order to avoid the fact that we can't change the landscape right um and so you know we are constantly trying to protect ourselves from all of these fears because we can't externalize them but we keep trying right We keep trying. And when I see people doing all of these kind of coping mechanisms to deal with these fears, I guess my question for myself is, well, what did you expect? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it's so much easier to believe the worst than it is to have hope. Mm -hmm. The Easter story for me is really this year a reminder that we have all been carrying around burial spices for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have all been going someplace to expect all of the worst things to come true. Right. And particularly in this year where it feels like our government is not very responsive to us. Mm -hmm. It feels like we're on the brink of war with with half the planet, half the planet at this point where, uh, where our healthcare is going to be taken away from people who are vulnerable, where, you know, all of these things are changing so rapidly Mm -hmm. and are going to cost a lot financially, emotionally, psychologically, security wise, like, we have been carrying around burial spices because it seems like what is inevitable is the worst case scenario. Yeah. These women come to the tomb with these burial spices and then God shakes them up again again, and says, you need to expect something different. Mm. I mean, God is constantly defying our expectation. This is another thing that we talked about on Friday, right? Yeah. 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 God is constantly defying our expectations. So if you look for Jesus is in the story, he's always in the place that he shouldn't be shouldn't be you don't expect him to be um you wouldn't have written the story that way right well he's a religious leader and he's hanging out with non-religious people the sick people that he's not supposed to touch right and the people who work for the oppressive government Mm -hmm. um and the people who 
work the streets because it's the only way they can get by. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's constantly hanging out with crooks and thieves and, and you know, the people that we think yeah. are not appropriate society. Right. Or, or don't don't fit the pattern that we, we come to expect. Right. The expectation that we put on what does it mean to be a person of faith is that you're a good person. You look clean. You keep your house nice. You don't beat mm-hmm. your kids. Right. Right. Although the last one is negotiable depending on your religious, religious tradition. tradition. Um, that we sort of had this, this is the nice, the nice people. Right. And Jesus is constantly defying that expectation. And then He's once actually again, saying that nice is harder than that. Yeah. That kindness is harder than being nice. Mm-hmm. That generosity is harder yes. than stockpiling. Well, right? and that, that grace, you know, offer, offering grace to others, offering grace to ourselves is a lot harder work than yeah. we would like it to think it is. Exactly. And so God defies these expectations and, and tells us don't expect death all the time expect something better Mm. expect transformation which is something that gives us hope Mm -hmm. which is also something that doesn't let us off the hook right because if we don't have hope well there's nothing else we can do right and then we're not then we don't then we end up in places where we're not a part of the we're not a part of what god's surprising us with we're not a part of the process at all right and so what happens when we show up at the tomb with our burial spices, when we show up in our lives expecting the worst, is that we miss out on God's hope. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we deny ourselves any agency in making any kind of change. Yeah. Grace is harder than that. Yeah. So I told a story about a community in California. It's a beautiful place. It's Northern California coast. Gorgeous, gorgeous, green, mm-hmm. lush, wonderful, all the colors alive all the time. Wildlife like you would not believe. And in 1995, these four teenage boys went camping on Mount Vision. Mm-hmm. And on Mount Vision, you're not supposed to have campfires, but they had a campfire. And in the morning, they did the best they could to clean everything up, and they went home. What they didn't know was that there were still some embers alive in the fire, which sparked a wildfire, which consumed 12,000 acres of land, 50 homes in mm-hmm. a nearby community, which is the community they lived in. Mm-hmm where there's only a population of 1,500 anyway. Devastating for the wildlife, devastating for the vegetation, um, for this kind of pristine ecological area. And these four teenage boys, they immediately turned themselves in with their Mm -hmm. parents by their sides. But it was still devastating for this community. You know, they had firefighters come from all over the state. They had the helicopters picking up water from the bay, Mm -hmm. trying to protect the homes of the community, trying to curb the flames. Right. This community did all the things that communities do. You know, somebody wrote an article for the San Francisco Chronicle that said, oh, man, they're really coming together and they're taking care of each other. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they set up some temporary housing for the folks who lost their homes and the firefighters. Oh, man, they're so brave. And they've been out fighting these fires and just working around the clock. And the mayor and the city council and the you know Red Cross, they've all been so responsive and isn't that great. Mm -hmm. So even in the midst of tragedy, we see community coming together. And that's cool. Yeah. The first surprising thing that happened was a firefighter also wrote an op-ed. And the firefighter's op-ed said, here are all the reasons why what happened shouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't talking about these boys shouldn't have been camping. He said, they buried the fire. They doused it with water. They completely cleaned up their campsite. There was no reason why this should have happened. Right. They did all they the did, things that they had been instructed to. They did everything they, right. The, all the best practices. Yeah, they did everything right. And so that was sort of an unexpected moment where he said, okay, before we jump on those, casting blame. Those dastardly kids. Children for, for some real loss, right? Mm-hmm. We're not, we're no, not we're undermining not. the loss, but, but for some real loss. He said, here's why it shouldn't have happened. And what his, what his letter did 
was it started conversations in the community about not just what people had lost, mm-hmm. but also, you know, when I was a teenager, mm. I did this and it cost me this. Mm. Or when I was a teenager, I did that mm-hmm. and it cost me that. And so people started to find a little bud of compassion for these teenagers, recognizing that we all make mistakes. Right. And it causes and sometime, harm. Even sometimes when we, we do everything right, yeah. something happens. So then the next thing that happened is what always happens in communities after a tragedy. They throw a picnic. <laughs> and at the picnic, solve everything. they invite all of the most tedious people to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Having been one of those speakers at many picnics, I recognize the pattern uh, where, you know, they have the mayor speak and the city council person speaks and um, the people from the Red Cross speak and everybody pats themselves mm-hmm. on the back for the great job that they did coming together as a community. One of the last people to speak was the president of the board of firefighters. Mm. And he stood up and, you know, he talked about the work that the firefighters had done. He talked Mm -hmm. about the communities that had come together all around California and Oregon to help put out the fire. Uh, He talked about all of the emergency work that had happened. And then at the end, he said something that surprised people. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, in ancient times, when somebody caused harm to the community, The punishment was that they would have to move outside the boundary of the community, Mm. literally beyond the pale. Mm -hmm. They would no longer be able to be in community with community. Like Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have the friendship, companionship of community, but they also wouldn't have the protection of community. And that was the just punishment. That was what was deemed best for everyone. And then he said, you know, I heard a rumor that these four families of these four teenage boys are going to move away. And I would hope that we would not resort to this ancient way of dealing with justice, but that we would find a way to let them know that they are still needed and they are still wanted and they are still part of our community. And he really pushed this community hard. The next article that came out in the San Francisco Chronicle Mm -hmm. said at the picnic that the president had spoken, the president of the Board of Firefighters had spoken, And the community immediately pivoted from saving themselves from a fiery holocaust to saving the futures of four teenage boys. And the families stayed, and there was hope. And that was what nobody expected. And so I think if we keep carrying around burial spices and saying, well, that's just the way it is, and it's only going to get worse, we deny ourselves the possibility to live into resurrection. Yep. We deny ourselves the possibility to find hope and to take action to be this beloved community that we've been talking about, mm-hmm. where even if you screw up, there's hope. Where we don't just deal with the monsters that are outside of ourselves, but with the ones that are inside of ourselves. Where we don't have to be afraid. And where we don't have to constantly be so protective of ourselves that we miss the opportunities to serve. I don't know what the future holds for us. I don't know what my church is going to do tomorrow. I don't know (laughs) what our state is going to do tomorrow. I don't know what our country is going to do tomorrow. I don't know what the world is going to do tomorrow. But I want to choose to have hope. Mm. I don't want to carry around burial spices anymore. They're a little heavy. They're super heavy. I want to choose to expect something different. So the question I left with my congregation was, well, what do you expect? Mm. Yeah. And that was it. Did you get any uh, pushback at the at the door? No pushback today, but I also didn't say I didn't think the cross had to happen. So 
So there was that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did get a lot of Mystery Science Theater 3000 folks. Yeah. Uh, coming up to me and saying, isn't it wonderful? And you're like, I was uh, like, it's terrible. <laughs> but it's supposed to be terrible. That's yes. it. That's the whole, the whole idea was the You're not expecting much more. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's funny because, you know, you're watching the reboot, reboot and of course, uh, the original happened when I was a teenager. And so. So um, you watched it when it was on the first time? I watched it a couple times. I, I did not. It enjoy? Was, no, no. But I had a couple friends who really enjoyed it. So I, was like, I feel like it's the kind of movie that if I had been a teenager when it was on, that you would put on at a sleepover when nobody's really watching anyway. Probably, but... But that's not my experience. But it is the expectations, right? Yeah. Cool. So, so what did you do yesterday afternoon, Miss Chris? I stuck around because we have services until... Like, we, our Tongan language service was at two and we right. had baptism. Wonderful. And I got to baptize a little boy named Kautai. Uh-huh. How and big is he? I don't know how big he is, but he's a substantial kid. <laughs> he was wearing his fancy silky white clothes. Oh, okay. Good, good. And he was the most mellow baby I have ever baptized. Now, I've had babies sleep through baptism before. Right, but he was just sort of like, I've had huh. babies scream at me through baptism uh-huh. before. I, I This kid was just like, what else? You know, cool. You're hey, the, on, the only thing that was, was funny was he and his mom clearly have six. So the baby was born in December. Okay. So okay. he's like. December 16th. So he's four months old. Uh, he and his mom wave their eyebrows at each other. Yeah. And so oh, she'll like fun. raise her eyebrows at him and then he'll raise his eyebrows oh. back at her. And it was the funniest thing to see this boy, this little baby making faces at his mom. I, she handed him to me, or his dad handed him to me, and I was holding him. And I look at her, and I just catch her. Because as soon as she sees me looking at her, she stops doing it. Uh-huh. But I catch her doing the eyebrow thing, and then I look down at the baby, and he's doing the eyebrow thing, too. <laughs> and I said, this boy's eyebrows are on fleek. And the parents lost it. Because the parents are, like, my age, right? right They're, like, right. in their late, you know, late 20s, early 30s, somewhere in there. And and they just started giggling. And so I said, no, this is good. And But he's just, he was just hanging out, and... You know, grandma was sitting in the second pew on the mm-hmm. on the pulpit side. And so she was doing the eyebrow thing at him, too. And he was in my arms. I just thought that was pretty clever. Yeah. But his little sister came forward. His big sister, I guess, yeah. came forward and, and helped with the baptism. I always like to nice. do that. Nice. It was delightful. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy Easter, all. Happy Easter. Well, so the other thing that we do at a church is um, we, we don't flower the cross. We butterfly the cross. Butterfly the cross, yes. We have tissue paper butterflies that we've made out of tissue paper and clothespins and a giant cross surrounded in chicken wire <laughs> that people can come forward and pin their butterflies. So we talk about the, the symbolism of a butterfly, and I won't explain that. I'll let you Google it. Right. Um, why, why we do butterflies at resurrection time. And, uh, and then people bring their butterflies forward as a, way, as a sign of hope and cover up the ugliness of the cross with... But we have hope that something different can happen. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. That's fun. That's fun. My church is all about the eating. You do flowers? Eating. Oh, eating. Yes, brunch. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Well, thanks for listening to Sunday Morning Sleep In Podcast. If you have questions for us or stories or maybe, as Chris suggested, uh, favorite monster movie. His favorite monster movie. You can shoot us an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook or um, all those other places where podcasts are available. Mm-hmm. The scripture for this podcast was Matthew 28, 1 through 10. The theme music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. It's traditional at the end of a worship service for the priest to deliver a blessing to the congregation. Some wise words that make everybody just a little bit holier. But here's the deal. 
I don't have any magic words. You have been blessed because the God of all creation who invented Easter brunch, <laughs> Yum. cheesy potatoes, who invented all of your favorite things in the world, the galaxies and the ants and every crumb in between, thought the world needed one of you too and doesn't want you to live a life that is dominated by fear, okay. internal external. or external. And that means that you have been blessed because you have hope that things can be different. And you're not alone in seeking a world of justice and joy and peace and love. So my hope for you this week is that you will find a way to live a resurrection life, that you will love and listen and serve and seek justice. Maybe you slept in, but now it's time to wake up and get moving. Amen. Amen. <laughs>